Thank you for tuning in to Pulp Fliction. I'm your host, Grant Grubbs. And Evan Dearborn. Welcome, everyone, to episode number nine of Pulp Fliction. Almost in double digits. We're, we're almost there. And honestly, if uh, you would have asked me how many episodes we would have done <laughs> when we started this, I probably would have said like four. Yeah, yeah. Four at four at most. But uh, we really love uh, being able to make these these podcasts here. We have a, a lot of fun filming and a lot of more fun recently uh, yeah. being able to record them. And me and Grant just keep coming up with ideas. And uh, we hope that you guys enjoy listening to them. Yeah, it's been a blast. And, uh, you know, we, we, we've been coming up with our own ideas, but uh, we – tend to say to you guys at the end of the podcast you know if you guys have any ideas or anything you want to hear let us know there's plenty of different outlets for you all to uh, contact us and we will as always talk about that at the end of the podcast yeah for sure uh this one uh this week we're gonna be talking about our mount rushmore of our fair favorite characters of uh of television i'm pretty fired up about this one i i am as well uh there's a lot of great characters in film and uh a lot of ones that you guys have heard us talk about on the podcast before but uh, this one, we, we uh, I don't know, this one might be a little surprising. I, I've got a nice little list here for you, Grant. <laughs> oh, Lord. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it's crazy because this one's like, it, there's such a wide range. Right. I have no clue. It could be anybody. When it comes to like the top 10 and stuff, there's certain stuff you just kind of expect Correct. people to put in there. You know, Goodwill Hunting, uh, Shawshank, mm-hmm. stuff like that. When it comes to characters, I mean, it's a freaking, it's a wild goose chase. I, I don't know what you're going to say. It's a mystery. Yeah, it, it, but, you know, I think uh, we're going to have a little bit of a debate going on here. Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like I have a good grasp of what uh, Grant might be putting up here. But <laughs> oh, I do know. you? Oh, I, I feel like I do. I feel like I do. <laughs> I think I'll surprise you, and I also think that I'll surprise myself because I still don't know yeah. who my fourth person is. And I'm just gonna, I have a list of people. I'll come up with it at the last second. Decide. Yeah. There, there definitely might be some, some Omaha's, some audibles coming up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, All right. Well, uh, but as usual, before we get into that exciting main segment, we are going to talk about the movies we watched this past week. Um, Evan, what'd you watch and what'd you think about those films? So yeah, uh, this week I, uh, I only watched, uh, two movies. Uh, it's getting into finals week. You know, I spent a lot of time at the library, uh, surprisingly, <laughs> and I end up, uh, watching a 1998 movie called wild things. And it's got, uh, Matt Dillon in it. It's got, uh, Neve Campbell. It's got, uh, Kevin Bacon and Denise Richards. And it was not a great movie. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it was kind of fun, uh, because I, I, Typically, you don't hear too much about this. Uh, it started picking up afterwards, like the whole idea of like a teacher-student relationship. And it's got uh, – it, it wasn't really ex- where I expected it to go. Mm-hmm. And I think that the film didn't know where it was going as well. The tone of it didn't match the plot. Uh, but it was – I don't know. It, it, it was an all right watch. It had me – I watched all of it. So it did that much. But I, I didn't rate it very highly on Letterboxd. Yeah. Um, I've never watched that one. Uh, probably won't after. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I really don't recommend it to anybody unless you're just that bored. Yeah, I mean, it's on, what, Netflix right now? Yeah, Netflix. Yeah, Netflix, if you guys want to check it out. Is, is it a pretty 90s movie? It's got a lot of those Dude. just classic 90s actors in it's, it. It's so 90s. Yeah. It is so yeah. 90s. It seems like it. I don't know. Maybe if I'm ever having a down down day, just got nothing going on, I'll watch it. But, uh, yeah, as, as far as now, I don't plan on it. Evan, what, what else did you watch this week? And I watched uh, I watched a Martin Scorsese film, uh, Gangs of New York. Yes, sir. Gangs of New York. Uh, it's uh, talking about the the 1860s, uh, specifically in the Civil War, uh, of just New York, the five boroughs of uh, New York, what all was happening. And a lot of people might think that this film is a little ridiculous, but it actually like that is very telling of what it was like back then. All the fo- voter fraud that was going on. Yeah. How insane. How it was just pretty much just anarchy. That's how life was like in the in the 1860s, and yeah. it really wasn't that. Like for it being a Scorsese film, it was not just an all time great like mm-hmm. you would expect, you know. And and Grant, I feel like you feel the exact same way about yeah. it. Yeah, I walked in on the uh, 
end bit of the movie there, probably the last 30 minutes to mm-hmm. watch it with you. Um, I, I mean, I've said it before. It's no secret. Scorsese's my favorite director. Uh, but I would say of the films I've watched of his, this is one of my lesser favorites um, for sure. Uh does still have great performances by Daniel Day-Lewis. Oh, my gosh, and, yeah. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio is pretty good in it. Um, I wouldn't go as far to say great, but pretty good. But like you said, I, th- I think it's just trying to shove a lot. Anytime you do a historical kind of fiction movie like this, you're you're struggling to throw as much in there as you can, and you only have so much time. Even at, what, what was the runtime, like two and a half hours on it? Yeah, I like mean, it's two hours, 45 minutes. Yeah, long okay, even longer, so... Even then, you're still struggling, uh, which is understandable. But I think Scorsese did the best he could with what he had here. Yeah, I mean, Scorsese he brought about just a very chaotic film, and which is representative of the time. However, it was it was just it was so, it's so tough to make a very chaotic film into an all time great like that. And I mean, the last fifty minutes, it's just I mean, it's entertaining, yes. <laughs> But you have no idea what the heck is going on. No. It's like he just put together just random shots. He yeah. was like, "I'm just gonna go ahead and this is this is it. This is Gangs of New York." It's like, yeah, he was in the editing booth, just drunk as a skunk, <laughs> slapping together random clips. I I don't know what happened there, but uh, yeah, you know, chaos. It's what this movie is, but chaos definitely. There's a fine line between chaos and sloppy. Correct. And this movie airs on the side of sloppy at certain points. So. Yeah, but uh, I think we d- we do need to mention that Daniel Day Lewis as Bill the Butcher. One, of, it's an incredible character. Yeah. So much fun to watch. Uh, but yeah, he is it's, it's it's a very fun uh very fun character there. Yeah. If you're into history, I'd still recommend you check it Correct. out. Correct. And yeah. uh, really. You know, once again, if you have nothing going on, I'd still recommend you check it out. I'm sure it's better than Wild Things. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Uh, uh, but Grant, what all what at all did you watch this week? I know you watched some bangers, right? Yeah, some solid, solid movies. Um, I'll start by saying I watched a movie that had been on my radar for a little bit, and I know my girlfriend likes it. It's called Little Miss Sunshine. It's kind of a it's kind of a road trip movie, really. really? Um, I, I really didn't know much of what it was. Um, it's cool. It's got a mix of a lot of genres. It's got some drama for sure, some comedy. Um, it's a pretty fun movie. Uh, I, I wouldn't go as far to say it's like amazing or great. I think I gave it three and a half out of five stars, which for me is still pretty good. Yeah. Um, but I, I think I think it would be a safe recommendation for any casual viewer. Um, yeah, I, I liked it. Uh, additionally, I watched Blue Valentine, uh, mm. which. <laughs> we'll we'll have to really go deep on that movie sometime i'm still waiting for evan to watch it uh it was my first time ever watching it i i think i gave it a five stars yeah i think you did as well i i i think i'm gonna stick with it It, it's that movie is ridiculously impactful uh one of the most just realistic depictions of life and relationships you you guys you guys should have seen grant he, <laughs> he walked down to my room after uh after he watched this movie he was like dude have you ever seen blue valentine before <laughs> i was like no he's like i mean it's just absolutely i i i cannot he he just he didn't know what to do he was at a loss for words yeah, he yeah. was awestruck it was it was it was incredible to watch i was i was I was floored at his reaction i really was stunned i felt like I had just watched my parents get divorced or something. I was like, this is awful. But uh, yeah, it's a heartbreaking movie yet at the same time. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. Uh, I definitely, definitely recommend you guys to check it out. Our man, Ryan Gosling. Our man, Ryan Gosling. Thank God. Not that Ryan Reynolds fellow. He would have ruined it. (laughs) Would have been making freaking jokes with the rock or something in there. Yeah. Yeah. They they definitely did the, made the right decision. Not putting uh, Ryan gosh dang Reynolds in there. Yeah. If any of you guys still have doubts about who's the better Ryan watch blue Valentine and you will never question it again. Ryan Gosling is at certain points, not even recognizable in this film. He's just absolutely amazing. Yeah, I would say it's his best performance after watching it. Really? Yeah, I would go that far. Oh my gosh! Wow. Well, I'm I'm definitely gonna have to tune into it here here eventually. Uh, did you watch anything else, Grant? Uh, I don't think so. You didn't. All right. Well, uh, I think we're gonna head go ahead and get into our uh, our main segment here. Uh, we'll go ahead and we'll see you guys there. We're excited to talk about this. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right, guys, welcome to the main segment. And me and Evan are having a little laugh from our break there, but uh, we're excited to get into this. This is really one of the um, more exciting topics I think we've done here. Yeah, they, uh, they were talking about our Mount Rushmore characters. So we these are characters that have been super influential on us, characters that we think about often, characters mm-hmm. we quote all the time, just people that you you uh, just made a lasting impact on your life as I know that it did for me. Uh, is that kind of the same uh, criteria you went through, Grant? Yeah, I think you nailed it right on the head. Um, me and Evan actually discussed it a little bit uh, as far as what our criteria was because it's not necessarily like characters that you love. Yeah. Um, because some of these aren't good people straight up. <laughs> yeah. But they're interesting characters. Like, they're just your favorite characters. These interesting people, they can serve as lessons um, that you think about for a long time. And that's kind of uh, what our criteria was heading into this. So uh, I will preface this by saying me and Evan, uh, just to make sure we were on the same page, did share um, one of our four with one another Mm -hmm. already. But uh, so that'll be the first ones we share here. But after that, the next three for both of us, we won't have heard before per usual. Yeah. will be a complete surprise. So, uh, you know, this thing could go anywhere. Yeah. Well, we're, we're just trying to be as genuine to you guys as possible. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're not one of those fake pranksters like on YouTube. <laughs> like we're trying to give you guys genuine content here. Always keep it real here That's at right. Pulp Fiction. All right, Evan, go ahead and start me off with uh, the... You know, there's no necessarily order, but uh, your first character on your Mount Rushmore here. Yeah, I've got uh, Terrence Fletcher from Whiplash. It's and a doozy. Yeah, it. Uh, I think that he is probably not necessarily one of the most influential characters in my life. <laughs> yeah, I hope not. If I would emulate my life after him, I would be a horrible, horrible person, as most of you guys know from uh, watching Whiplash. Evan starts chucking chairs at me <laughs> for not heading into the main segment fast enough. Yeah, it's just... Uh, what I think J.K. Simmons brought in this uh, performance is he just wants to see success happen so badly that he's willing to uh, like just no uh, no bars held at any point to be able to try to get success to to show up in within his uh, his ensemble of this jazz band. And I just love the passion that J.K. brought. I think I, I, it's more about the performance than it is the actual character for me. Uh, whenever it comes to uh, Terrence Fletcher here. Yeah, I do believe, if I'm not mistaken, did J.K. Simmons win Best Supporting Actor for this role? Yeah, he won Best Supporting yeah, Actor for and it. I, I think well-deserved. Um, I think it's his best performance of his career. I think it's one of the better supporting acting roles of the 2000s. Yeah, um, and he won against, uh, like, in Gone Girl, he won against uh, Roseman Pike yeah. in uh, Best Supporting Actor. I mean, that's it, stiff it's, competition. It, it's absolutely just it, – it's incredible. 2014 is probably one of the best years in film. We might talk about that later. Yeah, yeah but that would that, be an interesting one. That, that's how great it, uh, That's how great this performance was. Grant, I'm sorry. I know I just cut you off there. No, no, no. You're okay. You're okay. Uh, don't let it happen again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, yeah, Terrence Fletcher – like I said earlier, uh, definitely would not be great if you're emulating, but uh, you know, want to talk about a guy who is not someone uh, you necessarily look up to and right. is more of a lesson to use or just interesting. Terrence Fletcher is the definition of that. Mm. Yeah, uh, one of my favorite uh, parts about this, and I think we'll, we'll probably get into that uh, just a little bit. Like one of our favorite parts of this character, or mm-hmm. favorite moments from it, uh, is whenever he's saying someone's out of tune. And everyone just – it's a super uh, anxiety-filled scene. Uh, he goes up to the the fat, the fat kid, <laughs> and he's like, are you out of tune? And the kid says yes, but it ends up not actually being him after he gets kicked out and everything like that. And he says, actually, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't you that was out – it wasn't him that was out of tune, but he didn't know, and that's just as bad. <laughs> and that's probably the most badass thing I've ever seen before in my life. <laughs> Yeah, I actually, my first time ever watching Whiplash, I watched it with my dad. It was just Mm -hmm. me and him. My dad is just a great Christian man. Mm -hmm. So with a lot of these Terrence Fletcher (laughs) scenes, man, it was a little awkward. Uh, It gets a little uh, uh, vulgar at times, to say the least. He, uh, but just every, every single time that Fletcher's on the screen, you just have this like this anxiety within your heart. Uh, Mm -hmm. If you're like, what's going to happen here? And it, that's, I think that's what makes his performance so much fun to watch. And then, again, the ending. 
I mean, we're not really going to get into it because I don't think it's fair to you guys because yeah. it's just. It's, I think there's still a lot of people out there who haven't seen Whiplash. Yeah, yeah, I'll agree to that. So, uh, but it's possibly one of the best endings. I don't know yet. Uh, we'll definitely talk about that as well. But the uh, just there's so much. It's it's so much fun watching him in those last 25 minutes, uh, from the bar scene all the way up until the very end. Yeah, I think um, as far as what you were discussing earlier with just it's like how. That's that's a big theme of the mu- movie is like how far are you willing to go for greatness mm-hmm. and at what point does that become detrimental to yourself versus good? Yeah. Um, and you spoke about your favorite scene. My favorite scene with Fletcher is probably whenever him and Andrew reunite in that bar and they kind of discuss. I forget what the drummer's name, Charlie, maybe something. Um, yeah. Anyways, they discuss like a story Charlie Parker Charlie Parker yeah discuss a story of Charlie Parker and how his teacher like threw a thing at him or whatever it was something like that yeah and uh he's like here's the thing Charlie Parker would never quit yeah basically mm. that made no sense what I just said yeah it, but it's okay if be- you've seen the movie you know what yeah. I'm saying the, basically the point is if you're actually the greatest of all time someone treating you that poorly as your teacher would not deter you from being the greatest of all time correct it's like a it's like a sink or swim Rex walls from the glass castle type deal my my junior Did this guy Eng- just speak a different language you have you never read the glass castle what the heck is the glass castle are you serious Evan, Dude, Evan, relax. Did man. did you not did you not go to public school in I did in Kentucky? I did. You didn't have to read the Glass Castle. No, I don't even know what that is. All right, well, maybe maybe Clinton County just goes to their own. <laughs> they have their own curriculum, I guess. But we we read that. I don't know. I'm sorry. Well, I'm, we're going down an avenue we don't want to talk about. <laughs> but I don't, I'm just shocked right now. I'm sorry. Oh my gosh. I guess my vice principal, uh, Mr. Dearborn, did a horrible job of of running that school. I can't poor, say I'm a big fan of that guy. Yeah, poor Clinton County. But yeah, the, enough about uh, Terrence Fletcher. He definitely makes it out of my my Mount Rushmore. And then Grant, you want to share with us uh, who your first list, uh, who your first uh, character is? Yeah, my first character, and like I said, I already talked about this with Evan. Is uh, Jake Lamata from The Raging Bull, played by Robert De Niro? Um, yeah, I mean, you think Terrence Fletcher is a bad guy? Th- this man is. <laughs> abusing women abusing men abusing everyone in his Mm -hmm. life including himself uh it's crazy this is i think like the definition of a film character that is a lesson to people because frankly he doesn't ever get better he's just a bad guy throughout and although you see small small glimpses of good at the end his rotten like his core is still rotten um and Robert De Niro, personally, I would say it's my favorite performance of his of all time, probably. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty high praise considering all the performances Robert De Niro Yeah, he's, he's got probably freaking north of 100 performances out there. Yeah, I mean, he's, and he's most likely the GOAT. Uh, but I have never seen Raging Bull. It's on my watch list right now. Uh, but any time that I think, especially like boxers, because – it's so funny how they have like this dynamic of this like dichotomy, how they have this person that wants to beat the absolute crap out of somebody. Mm-hmm. And then they have a whole other life to live. Yeah. And any, any time that you kind of get into that, that's why I think boxing movies are so popular is because they have a life to live outside of it. And whenever you get down into the grid of that, it's impossible not to kind of root for this person, you yeah. know? And I think that's like in like bleed for this in Southpaw, uh, in uh, all those boxing movies, even gosh dang real steel. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'm not that t- robot, <laughs> that robot. I mean, you're rooting for him by the end of it, but, uh, like in any time in, in a box movie, it's hard not to come out wanting to, uh, just rooting for this guy. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Um, the passion and stuff involved with boxing and just the raw emotion. It's hard to turn that off on the other side, like as an audience, when mm-hmm. they're in their normal life, you're still rooting for them just as heavy. And I think that's part of why we've seen so many, bo- there, there's probably more like good boxing movies than any other sport. Yeah. I, um, I'll, I'll agree to that. And yeah. I, I think it's just cause it is, there's one character. It's your guy you're rooting for. It's easy to get behind them, you know, mm-hmm. um, even when they are just a horrific person like Jake LaMotta is. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, and again, I really wish that I could uh, add a little bit more to this conversation, but 
I just really can't. Uh, one thing I'll also say about like boxing movies is like you got Rocky. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean Sylvester Stallone. I mean he m- made a living off of uh, being able to portray this this character. Yeah, and people love him. He he was honestly up there for one of my favorite characters. Just he was, be- he was for me as well. Just because of like he's just like a sweet sentimental guy. And he's battling so many demons mm-hmm. uh, on on the inside, and you know I think Jake LaMotta, from what I know about it, is that he had like a just a tough upbringing, and that kind of reflected into the way he fought, the way he lived his life. Yeah, uh, you know Jake LaMotta is such a self destructive character. Mm-hmm. It, it's not to the same, or Andrew from Whiplash isn't to the same extent as Jake LaMotta. But it's similar where they're okay. willing to do whatever and they have one goal in mind. Um, the problem is that Jake really carries that over to his normal life as well. Yeah. And he's just as passionate about other topics, if not more passionate. Um, and one of the main themes throughout uh, Raging Bull is kind of like insecurity. Um, you know, nowadays the term toxic masculinity is thrown around a lot, mm-hmm. but this film shows like what actual toxic masculinity is where he's wants this girl, but he is like to an insane extent about it. Um, and will beat her if she even talks to another guy, he, he's crazy and can't, uh, control the one side of his life in boxing from bleeding into the other part of his life. Uh, I have to say, um, we talked about kind of discussing some of our favorite scenes and I know you won't be able to give one here, but um, my favorite scene with Jake LaMotta is whenever he finally does kind of get to his breaking point, he's arrested, he's thrown in a jail cell and it's just Robert De Niro in this dark jail cell punching the walls and hitting his head against the walls. And it is one of the most powerful scenes I've ever watched. Um, I think it's maybe my favorite Robert De Niro scene ever. Uh, if you guys haven't watched Raging Bull, it's worth it just to see that acting performance in that scene. Wow. My gosh. Yeah. I mean, you just about convinced me. I've got, <laughs> I've got I, ra- I'm a large proponent of this. Uh, this the Raging Bull is like one of the movie posters I'm asking for for this Christmas because I just love this freaking movie. Yeah. Well, it's just like it's got – I mean, there's so many like still shots – of Robert De Niro in this movie, like the one where it's kind of like a little pan down and you're like looking up at him Mm -hmm. and he's just kind of got this like brute look to him. I mean, that's just one of the best shots of all time in, in film right there. Yeah. He, uh, he basically, we've talked uh, last or couple podcasts ago about kind of portraying the id. That's Mm -hmm. like, like, I mean, this guy is the id. He is a primitive animal and, uh, it's the worst of a man. Um, it's, it's, it's a great character. All right. Well, Enough said about my man, Jake. Evan, who is your next character on your Mount Rushmore? Yeah, so up next, I've got Atticus Finch. Whoa. Uh, this, this is what I'm saying. I'm excited to hear these fixes. I literally have no clue what's coming. All yeah, right, my, Atticus. My, my grandpa right now, uh, he is absolutely just thrilled. <laughs> you finally got a dub for the old men of the Dearborn clan? Yep, yep. I've got one in there. And uh, Gregory Peck is the one who plays uh, Atticus in To Kill a Mockingbird. And it's just one of those. It's just a super influential uh, just person. I mean, everything that he says is words to live by. Mm-hmm. He's the epitome of the voice of reason. He's the middle ground between Scout and Jem uh, and them just growing up. And although like they continue to they get picked on in, in the schoolyard, he says never raise your fist uh, to anybody. Just try to talk to him, and that's not really what you want to hear as a little kid. You want to be able to, to whip the tar out of the school bully. <laughs> but I mean that's just the way Atticus is, and uh, I mean he's getting made fun of in Maycomb County for uh, for for defending uh, this person. I'm completely forgetting the, the name, but it's just I mean Atticus Finch. He's just a super influential guy. He's the type of person you'd hate to talk to about your problems because <laughs> he's going to tell you how it is. Yeah. But he's the type of person you want to date your daughter. He is, uh, yeah. He's like a character that embodies kind of integrity. Like he's always on the right side of things. Um, it's kind of always interesting whenever a movie has a character like that um, who kind of represents like morality. Right. And he nails that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, one of the my favorite quotes that 
even my, my, my parents talk about all the time, things that you hear very often, but it was made uh, popular from, uh, from To Kill a Mockingbird was you never really understand a person until you consider things from his point of view, until you climb into his skin and walk around in it. And that's just words to live by there. I mean, it's, it's, it kind of like it teaches you empathy, which is not very common in, in today. And I think a lot of people really need to have a little bit more Atticus Finch in, uh, in their life. And you even see people, I mean, you've got the, the bracelets, WWJD, what would Jesus do? But they've got, there's some, they've got WWAD, what would Atticus do? No, that's, that, that, that's a guy right there. Yeah, I know. I mean, not a bad comparison. <laughs> yeah, I know. it was slightly heretical, but you know, it is what it is. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that's just that's just how uh, how awesome he is. And Gregory Peck in the movie, he's just uh, I mean, handsome guy. He's easy to easy to look at. That's what I've been told. That's not necessarily me saying that. Uh-huh. But, uh huh. But it's 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 a great uh, it's it's just a great watch. I love Atticus Finch. I think about uh, what would Atticus do often. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Evan's getting hot and heavy over there thinking about Atticus Finch. Um, yeah, Atticus Finch. I mean, the movie is way ahead of its time. Mm-hmm. Uh, respect to the actor to take on that role. Because, um, you know, I'm sure even though Hollywood was probably still progressive back then. I mean, wh- when did this movie come out? Like 1960? or Yeah, 60. Hold up a second. to If I can type. Yeah, but uh, as Evan looks that up, yeah. So either way, uh, it definitely came out early. It was a black and white film. Um, sixty-two. Sixty-two. So at that time, you know, minorities were still like heavily, heavily um, discriminated against in this country. So you knew for taking a role like that, you're going to receive some backlash. So I'd say this guy has uh, some integrity in real life, just like in the film. Yeah, most definitely. And I mean, that's. Uh Atticus is defending a black man who's accused of of uh, raping a, a white woman in the 1930s. That's when it's set, and doing that in a little town in in Alabama. I mean, you're setting yourself up for failure, for scrutiny, to just absolutely just get ran out of town, possibly yeah. even worse. So I mean, it's just being able to stand up for what's right, and no matter the circumstances, I think that's what everybody should admire. Uh, this this performance by that's what I love about him so much you know yeah Evan it, it appears you're in a big school reading mood today I, I mean <laughs> the Great Gatsby or the Glass Castle the Glass Castle I, I'll, I'll check it out man yeah maybe Great Gatsby is up next no I'm just playing of mice and men perhaps <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Gr- Grant what's what's next on your Mount Rushmore next on my Mount Rushmore is and this may surprise you uh, it's Cameron Fry. Do you know who that is? Yeah, from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. You're darn straight. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think a lot of people coming into this, if you guys have been uh, consistent listeners, my number one movie uh, of all time was Ferris Bueller's Day Off uh, when we did our first episode ever. I think a lot of people coming into this probably expected me to say Ferris. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to subvert their expectations here and say Cameron Fry, his best pal in the film, is actually my favorite. Uh, there's a lot of reasons for this, uh, but to start, and I think this is one of the reasons I love uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off so much, is it just Cameron encapsulates what it is to be just like a teenager who does not know what is going on, does not know their future, Um I wrote down a quote at some point in the film. He's talking to Sloan, and basically he says, uh, you know, I'm going to go to college. And she's, or he says, but to do what? And she says, what are you interested in? And he responds with nothing. And they both just kind of laugh it off. But in a lot of ways, that's true, you know. Kids half the time don't even think of their lives past high school. And when they get to college, they know they're going there, but have no clue. Um, I relate to that heavily because – I, I mean, I've switched my major like three times, Yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm still figuring it out. Uh, but yeah, I think it, he kind of represents it's okay to not necessarily what's going on. Yeah. Uh, you know, do I think it's a crime that you have Ferris Bueller's day off as your number one? I do. <laughs> uh, but hey. I, I, I do agree. This is a great character. Thank uh, you. he is just, you know, I think that you can kind of see that he doesn't know what he's doing with his life. It's like, as they're going on this adventure, 
of this one day off, he's trying to figure himself out. Like he's trying to find mm-hmm. that, that meaning to life. He's just trying to live it up, you know? And I, uh, I mean, I don't necessarily like, like this movie all that much. And I don't remember too much about, uh, like this performance, but I do remember that one scene whenever he, uh, was it his dad's car? Uh, yeah, his dad's car. Did, did it get stolen or just did it get wrecked? <sighs> Ferris took his fr- dad's uh-huh. Ferrari out, you know, for a guy who doesn't like this movie. You're sure not very knowledgeable about it. But uh, <laughs> anyways, uh, he, Ferris takes Cameron's dad's Ferrari out. Uh-huh. And then when they bring it back, they're running the wheels backward to try and take the mileage off. Yeah. And the car goes flying out the glass garage and crashes and is destroyed. Is that when it goes... Here's where Cameron goes berserk. Yes. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, it, I, I'm glad you put that on there because I do remember his performance being pretty good. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I was just... Some, I, some would say great. Yeah. Some would say great. <laughs> Not necessarily me. But it, it's just, I don't know. It's one of those, like, I feel like more than more than most high school kids completely resonate with the way that Cameron is. Yeah. And I think that, uh, you know... They put Cameron in there. I've seen theories out there that Cameron is actually the main character of Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Because a lot of times, um, there tends to be, for your main character, a character arc. Being honest, Ferris doesn't really have one. Yeah, He's like the luckiest, coolest freaking guy that everyone wants to be. He starts that way, and he ends that way. Everything goes right for him. Mm -hmm. Cameron changes a lot throughout the film. He starts out... He's an anxious dude who doesn't even want to get out of bed. Uh, you know, he says he's sick, but in reality, I think he's probably just depressed and yeah. refusing to get up for the day. And by the end of the day, you know, he's just like, screw it. I'm going to stick it to my man. I'm standing up for myself and going to actually care about something. Um, I, I can get behind that theory of thinking Cameron's the main character. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe I'll have to rewatch it and think of it like that because I just thought it was about I think I thought it was just like an adventure film. Yeah. Whenever I was younger, and I think that a lot of people think of that also. Maybe I will have to g- give it a rewatch, <laughs> and I'll, I'll stop uh, having you give me these these horrible looks whenever <laughs> I just talk crap about Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I really don't have much respect whenever people <laughs> come after Ferris Bueller's Day Off. To be honest, I mean, it, it's a goaded film. It's uh, pretty much perfect in my opinion. I mean, mm. it's got everything in it. Uh, but yeah, Cameron is fantastic. Um, I think it was genius for them to put Ferris in there uh, with Cameron because they're almost opposites yeah. and it just contrasts uh, and pushes forward Cameron's personality even more. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think really it's just a relatable character for a lot of kids that are in high school or college and just confused. Yeah, I'll agree to that. All right, Evan, let me get off my soapbox here. What is your third character on your Mount Rushmore? The third character is one that we talk about so often. Hmm. It's uh, Clarice Star- Starling. <laughs> Clar- yeah. Clarice. Hello, Clarice. Yes. Was that one better than last time? It was no. a little bit better. I mean, there was improvement, but, All right, there you know, go. it really could have been like a chimpanzee howling, and that would have been <laughs> improvement from last time. So Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I... Girl boss. Girl boss. Can't can't say much more than that you know evan there's nothing more you love than a freaking girl boss movie yeah and you know what sue me for it gosh dang it (laughs) It, i think uh that this performance more than anything it it revolutionized film i say that all the time but i think this is it was very like i think it had like a little bit of like a meta commentary about how females were looked at not only just like in this male-dominated uh workforce like the fbi but in all workforces, like females are not supposed to be the ones that go out and are uh, like changing the game whenever it comes to like being able to talk to a serial killer or just any workforce for that matter. And Jodie Foster, the way that she pr- portrays Clarice is that she just does not care. She wants to get the job done. She doesn't care about all this bull crap on the side. She doesn't care that all these guys are trying to hit on her. And I think for that, it speaks volumes to... Uh, to the type of person that Clarice is. And I respect that so much. You know, I think that's what makes me love uh, this movie so much is that she just, she has, she wants to get the job done. She doesn't care about anything else. Mm -hmm. And she, she 
just falls in love with being able to figure something out. And I think she understands the importance of what she's doing, but she doesn't let it get to her head, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Clarice is an awesome character. Mm -hmm. She, like you said, I mean, she has this task in front of her and literally nothing's going to stop her. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, in the industry she's in and the FBI, a lot of times, especially at the time you were thought to have to be like this brute force People thought FBI agents were like freaking Navy SEALs or something. Right. Uh, that's not necessarily true. You know, you can be this super intelligent, hardworking person and be the most successful member. And that's probably inspiring for a lot of the people who watch this film. And it doesn't, you know, just apply to the FBI. You don't have to be some just absolute brute. You can be just really hardworking and get your job done. Yeah, and I think that the movie does that because, I mean, the opening uh, shot of it is uh, Clarice. She's doing that run, and she's sweating uh, because the FBI does require so much physicality to it. But the rest of the movie, you don't see that at all. Her physicality does not get in the way of it. It's all about her mind and her being able to manipulate the conversation so she's able to figure out where Buffalo Bill is at. Yeah, what's cool is that it doesn't – a lot of times, like, Take, for example, Kill Bill. While the bride, who's the character in that movie, is like this super cool uh, just beast, she is at the same time kind of like impenetrable and seems like just perfect. The cool thing about Silence of the Lambs is Clarice, throughout the film, you see that she is scared at certain points. Like, she's a normal person. Yeah. uh, Which makes her far more relatable than a lot of these other uh, female characters who just directors try and make them look cool by putting guns and crap in their hand but in yeah. reality they're like i can't relate to that whatsoever mm-hmm. yeah for sure uh and then like just talking about like the performance specifically i think there's some characters in film where pretty much anyone can play them and they're hard to mess up mm-hmm. but this character was made specifically for uh for jody foster i mean they tried to do i mean the was it red dragon was the sequel yeah and I think it was Julianne Moore. I, I've never watched Red Dragon. I can't tell you. Neither have I. I think I saw it on like, I don't know, FX one time. Or whenever I was like, like <laughs> the classic 16. FX has the movies. FX <laughs> has the movies. Dude, We're going to get this thing copyright claimed. Yeah, no. Why did that? That was just unlocked a memory. We're harmonizing. I that. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I think Julianne Moore, I'm pretty sure that's who it was that, that did the sequel. I mean, it just does – there's a reason why you don't talk about it. There's a reason why you only talk about the Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. And that's because Jodie Foster, she was the perfect person for this uh, – for this – for this uh, for Rural. Rural. That's what it's called, yes. <laughs> Gosh dang. I'm here for you, man. Yeah, man. I, I appreciate it. Uh, but, yeah, it's just – it defeats the gender stereotypes. And just one of those movies – or one of those characters that I think about often, you know. Do you have a favorite uh, Clary scene? I think that there's no greater scene than the uh, the first time she meets Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, it's pretty great. Yeah, because he's trying to scare her. And, you know, I mean, he was scaring me. But <laughs> she just has these uh, – just these death – this death stare right at him where she's not letting him uh, – she's impenetrable. Yeah, she's not backing down. Yeah, and that's just – I mean, I think that shows the, the amount of integrity that she has, the, the amount of heart that she has. And she knows exactly what she's going to get herself into that uh, Hannibal Lecter is one of the worst serial killers of all time, most horrible serial, serial, serial killers of all time, and that she just doesn't doesn't back down. And I absolutely love that. I think I think about that uh, that scene often. There's a lot of quotes from that uh, from that specific scene. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, uh, yeah. What's your what, what do you got here next for me, Grant? <sighs> for me next, I think you're gonna like this pick, Evan. All right. I think you're gonna really like this pick. Hey, shoot. I have Professor John Keating. No, you don't. From Dead Poet Society. Oh my! That's my next one too. Are you serious? Yes. Uh, well, uh, I was getting ready to say that's my favorite character of all time. All right. Well, I guess we're gonna have to talk about him at the same time. Yeah, here. we got a nice little discussion. Here. All right. Yeah, we can we can take this one a little longer then. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Keating. I mean, what can you say? This guy's a freaking man. I think every uh, person ever has a teacher that at some point in their life inspires them. And he's like the perfect representation of that stage in a young person's life. Yeah. I mean, whenever I first watched this film, I, uh, I really hadn't found that, that, uh, 
teacher yet, mm -hmm. but just being able to look at the relationship that he has with these kids and letting them know that what they, what they're doing in school is not necessarily like they're just acquiring knowledge, but they're trying to figure out themselves. They're trying to figure out some dreams and they're bigger than what they think that they're supposed to be, uh, that they're like, that they're born for what their parents say that they're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And I think that's evident through, uh, the relationship that, uh, Mr. Keating has with, uh, with Neil and Neil wants to be an actor. Like he has that performance in the, in the school play mm -hmm. where that's all he could think about. All he was doing is he was reading lines. Whenever his dad would come and visit him, he'd have to hide his, uh, the script yeah. because his dad wanted him to go out and then be a doctor, be super successful from a very materialistic kind of way that you look at in America. And that's just not what he wanted to do. And it's ironic because this is a high class institution. Uh, these kids are paying a lots of lots of money to go there. And there's they're the ones that you would typically think to go be the uh, doctors of the world, the professors, the writers. Uh, but that's not what Neil wants to do. He wants to go out and be an actor. And that ends up driving him to, you know, at the end where that one thing happens. <laughs> Uh, we won't necessarily talk about it if you haven't seen it yet. You need to go watch this this movie. But uh, just Robin Williams just cares so much for these kids. And it makes you think about that one uh, special relationship you have with that one teacher. Yeah. Um, I think I have a few of those, you know. Uh, they're, there's, they're different. Uh, in a lot of ways, I think you do have teachers that – are like almost motherly or fatherly figures at the school for you. Yeah. And that are extremely caring and supportive, but it's rare that you get a teacher that is all of those things, but at the same time pushing you to be something better. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the times it's like accepting you and loving you for where you are. This teacher does that, but at the same time inspires these young men to do something as extraordinary with their life as it says in the movie. Yeah, I mean the uh, he he's the one that inspires them to go out and create this dead poet society that mm -hmm. uh, he talked about that he had in the past, and then one of my favorite lines that he has uh, that uh, Mr. Keating has is we don't read and write poetry because it's cute, we read and write poetry because we are members of the human race and the human race is filled with passion, and medicine, law, business, engineering, these are noble pursuits and necessary to s sustain life. But poetry, beauty, romance, love, these are what we stay alive for. And just teaches you that life is not all about getting that title. You know, life is about what happens in between and that you need to embrace that and go out, live your life, love a little bit, mess up a little bit. And that's what uh, influences uh, the uh, like Josh Charles knocks over street to go out and hang out with that one girl mm -hmm. uh, inspires uh, Todd Anderson, Ethan Hawke's character. To just, you know, look at life, be step out of his comfort zone a little bit. And it's being able to see these kids in high school realize that, which is something that a lot of people, a lot of adults uh, are searching for right now. To be able to see them have that, it's very, really, really env envious. And they're looking for that Mr. Keating in their life. Yeah, I think Mr. Keating represents, I mean, there, there's so many themes in Correct. Dead Post Poets Society. But one kind of darker theme is just like the urgency of life mm -hmm. um, with the one scene whenever he's standing with the boys and it's the famous whispering carpe diem scene. Mm -hmm. But, you know, what that scene is shot around is these old pictures of all these high schoolers who are now probably dead, uh, long gone. And then there's other scenes where he discusses about kind of like make your lives extraordinary. Um, it this there's a big theme in it this movie was extremely inspiring to me as far as like don't just let you know life pass you by you got to grab it there's my favorite quote from the movie probably other than just carpe diem is uh you must strive to find your own voice because the longer you wait to begin the less likely you are to find it at all um that kind of goes along with what you were saying as far as adults still trying to find their voices uh, you know, it, it's great for any young person to see this movie, even though it has some heavy themes because of that exact reason, it'll get them start thinking about these important things in life earlier rather than later. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I could, I could talk about Mr. Keating and like, uh, Sean McGuire, like just Robin Williams characters all day long. Yeah. Uh, there's but, something innately like comforting about him and those characters. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, it's sad to know that that like his Robin Williams life came to an end 
because of something that's kind of similar to uh, like what Mr. Keating was warning about. Yeah. And that's a little, a little dark, but it's just Dead Poet Society is one of those movies. I mean, there's a reason why it's tied for my number one. <laughs> I know. Uh, and I don't know how I forgot this movie. It was like, I remember whenever we were doing our top 10 and you said that it's your number one, I was like, oh my gosh, I somehow completely forgot Dead mm-hmm. Poet Society. I mean, you know, there's infinite amounts of film, so it's expected, but mm-hmm. I think that probably would fit somewhere in my top 10. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And guys, uh, watch Dead Poet Society. It is just an absolute, it's a super inspirational film. It's a, it's a little bit of a tearjerker, not going to lie. A little bit. Yeah. I was crying like a little baby <laughs> whenever I was, uh, whenever I first watched it. But yeah, guys, please watch this. It's, it's, it'll make you, you'll be thinking about it for a very long time afterwards. I do think we also would be remiss to not mention the ending of the movie when Mr. Keaton, Keaton is fired and gathering up his things, trying not to make a scene, and they kind of pay their last respects to him with the O oh, Captain, My Captain oh, scene. Yeah, uh, One of the best endings in movie history. Yeah, for sure. And it, it's just sent, I mean, I've got goosebumps right now just thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, Mr. Keating, as he's as he's preparing to walk through the door, uh, he just kind of – you can see him going back and looking at his memory at, through his memories and realizing that, yes, he got fired from this job, but – there was he la- left a lasting impact, and for that he did his job correctly. Yeah. yeah, and for that you 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 hope to be able to leave an impact on somebody like the way that Mr. Keating did on these kids. At least that's for me, as a future educator myself. I hope that I'm able to do something of that extent. Yeah, I just realized this as you said that. I wonder if Damien Chazelle took any. Okay, once again, we're going down a side avenue here, guys. <laughs> no, it's okay. But follow us. I wonder if Damien Chazelle took any. Uh, inspiration from whiplashes or sorry geez will be let me start over here i wonder if damien chazelle took any inspiration from dead poet society ending with just kind of that look with a slight smile uh for his ending in la la land yeah it's a very similar thing it's like they're not overtly saying anything they're it doesn't really show memories Mm-hmm. But you can see with just that slightest smile and great acting uh, yeah. from the people involved that they're ha- happy a little bit. Yeah, it's like a somber happy. Mm-hmm. I w- I would go as far to say that that's most di- most most likely true. Uh, Chazelle has come out and he said that he a lot of what he takes is just little stuff from other directors, mm-hmm. and I think that's what all directors yeah. do. I mean, uh, nobody is just absolutely there's very uh, that original when it comes to that. And that's also like in La La Land as well with a little bit of a different ending. Mm-hmm. But I would say that's probably where he got it from, where it's it leaves the audience with something to desire. But I think that's what you want as a filmmaker is you want them to be able to think about the ending a little bit more. Like I don't, I'm really glad that they didn't go on to do the stereotypical like uh, Todd Anderson went on to be uh, <laughs> a six-time <laughs> Uh, oh, oh, like award winner, uh, or knocks over street and end up marrying the girl and stuff. I love that they left that a little bit amb- ambiguous. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Dead Poets Society. We've talked about it for like almost ten minutes now, <laughs> but it, it, it's that let's, great. Let's of a do film. another hour on it. This movie yeah. freaking bangs. Honestly, we might talk about it at, at some other point. But uh, Grant, let me let me know what your last uh, Mount Rushmore character is. <laughs> All right, my last. Mount Rushmore character. Oh gosh, is, I don't like the way this is ha- this is being set up. I, I don't either because I don't I, I don't know. I, <laughs> I'm looking at my characters here. Uh, uh, I'm gonna say my last character is William Wallace from Braveheart. Do you just lie to my face? Are you lying right now? Or are you being serious? What do you mean? Why Why oh would I be gosh. lying? You know what? If If you're telling the truth, go ahead and continue. Do you not do you not like this pick? No. Why? Bravehearts. I mean, it's just not that good. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I get it. It's probably my dad's favorite film, and I guess that's that's cool. You guys, you Evan, and Ken Evan, can talk let about me, this. Let me clear this up for you, real quick, guy. Okay. All right. Let me, let me clear this up for you. Braveheart, as far as not modern wars, is the greatest war film of all time. Do you actually mean that? Did I stutter? <laughs> no, that's okay. You're allowed. To, you're allowed to think this. You're allowed this. Well, thanks for allowing me. Yeah. Uh, thanks for the permission. 
yeah, so William Wallace, you know, what a freaking guy. I think that William Wallace is like, he's like freaking the film version of Achilles, you know. Uh, I mean, even though there is films of Achilles. But <laughs> he's he's like the film version of Achilles. Like, it's just an epic story with an epic hero and i don't think there is a more epic hero than william wallace guys evan is laughing at me and i'm not sure why you know <laughs> explain yourself guy no listen no no know. come on i mean yeah i get it mel gibson he created this character so that he can look like a complete badass and you know what and I he is one i i get yeah i guess that's cool but in terms of like that being one of the, like the greatest characters of all time, I guess it fits your criteria. Doesn't fit mine. It just really misses the mark. I'm surprised you didn't put like somebody like Joe Pesci's character from Good. Okay, let me this. say this. My other yeah, l- l- let's hear your other ones. Okay, here. my other ones. I I mentioned I might have a Marvel character. Yeah, yeah. What what's your Marvel? That one was Tobey Maguire's Peter Parker. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's. That's awesome, dude. I love that. <laughs> you're such a you're such a freaking condescending douchebag. But okay, yeah. Toby Maguire's Peter Parker. Uh-huh. Just a just a emotional Peter Parker. Love that guy. Mm-hmm. What about Bully Maguire when he turns into the I uh, mean, yeah, he also has great memes. Yeah. So th- that's just double up why he's the best freaking Spider-Man. Plus it was timely and relevant to what's going on. All right. The other ones were Jerry Maguire. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. I have not, no. Yeah, well, you know. Is that where... Never mind. Yeah, no, go I'll, ahead. I'll, Take a guess, guy. I was getting ready. I literally answered my own question whenever he's in the underwear. And I was like, is that like the risky business scene? But risky business is literally a movie. Yeah, <laughs> this is horribly embarrassing. I'm, I, I thought about risky business. I thought about Joel Goodson. Okay. And finally, uh, my last uh, kind of honorable mention or other idea was Michael Corleone from The Godfather, mm-hmm. which... I thought was too much of an easy way out. Yeah. See, I I have never watched The Godfather actually, and I I really wish that I had because I think that I mean people can't talk about it enough on I am or filmsite.org, That's their number one. Uh, number one, number two is actually Vito and Michael Corleone. So well, yeah, some some guy to be lectured me on film. Never never seen The Godfather. Yeah. You know <laughs> what? I apologize, Grant. Yeah. Show I, some freaking respect for William Wallace. All right. You know what? I, I I'm sorry. You Maybe. Maybe you and you and Ken Dearborn need to get on get on the pod together. I would love to have Ken Dearborn on this podcast. <laughs> and you guys can just just boast about how much you love freaking Braveheart. Yeah. So, you know, now that I won't be rudely interrupted. Uh, I'm so sorry, <laughs> William Wallace. Like I said, epic hero. Uh, you know, every guy just needs a good just testosterone filled movie every once in a while, and Braveheart is just that, just right up my alley. Uh. It's awesome. I know it's not super duper deep, but it does actually have some deep themes in it. Uh, <laughs> it's got one of the best scenes ever with the freedom scene where uh, William Wall sacrifices himself and screams out freedom. Uh, he's I got my pound for pound uh, best motivational speech in a movie ever whenever he's given a speech to his soldiers ready to charge into war. I mean, William Wallace is just a freaking animal, man. And if you don't respect him, then uh, I've lost some respect for you. Wow, I yeah. thought I thought we were friends, Grant. I thought we guys. Uh, I thought we've grown closer together this year, being roommates, starting up a podcast. Yeah. But I think is Braveheart going to be the the reason why we stop being friends? Mel Gibson is going to be the man that splits us, <laughs> and I'm I'm willing to die on that hill. All right. Well, I guess you know. Uh, I have to be all right with that. I can't really say too much about Mel Gibson. I respect him uh, as for what he's done. He's directed some movies. Mm-hmm. He's acted in some, some movies. movies. Yeah, and you know, yeah. I guess I just, guess I have to be all right with just that. Just fantastic films, you know. Yeah, his best his best role, I must say, was whenever he uh, was a special guest star in that one Family Guy episode. That was probably his best role. All right, let, let's just cut the pod. Uh, you know, <laughs> guys. We're going to head to the after show before this gets too ridiculous. Uh, I, I can't take the Mel Gibson Braveheart slander anymore. It's it's a fantastic film. Everyone should love it. For some. For all. Uh, anyways, we'll, we'll see you guys in the after show. I hope you guys enjoyed this. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we'll see you over there. Thanks. <laughs> Perfect.
Perfect. We couldn't have planned this better. Yeah. All right. Thank you guys for joining us in the after show here. Uh, you know, sorry, sorry, sorry uh, things things got a little ugly there in the last five minutes of the show because of uh, someone who will not be named. Yeah. Kevin. Yeah. I I, I'm sorry, guys. I realized that I was being a little bit rude. And I'm gonna I'm gonna apologize to Grant. Maybe I need to go buy his lunch hey, or something. Apologize to all the William Wallace fans out there. Not me. Okay. I'll I'll have to. I I realized that I was being very disrespectful, but uh, you know, life moves on. You know, I think that uh, I think that that's that's an all right thing to say. So, let's see here, Grant. What are some things that you are going to be watching here in this next uh, this next week? Uh, well, one thing I'm going to be watching in theaters is uh. Spider-Man No Way Home. That's right. Yeah, it's coming out uh, on the 17th. 17th, yep. Yeah. Um, I'm fired up to watch it. Uh, you know, there's been endless rumors uh, oh. and conspiracies about this movie swirling around the internet, maybe more so than I've seen in my life. Yeah. I mean, uh, other than maybe Endgame, but even then, uh, it's it's been absolutely nutty with the amount of theories about this movie. So I'm excited to finally put those uh, theories to rest and see that film. Uh, as far as like streaming goes, um, think it, I've been thinking about a few different movies I might check out. Um, really, what I'm thinking personally is I might check out a film that has Jack Nicholson in it mm. called As Good As It Gets. It's popped up on my um, timeline of different uh, streaming services a couple times. Yeah. And you know, screw it. I, I might just check it out. I uh, haven't seen enough Jack Nicholson, Jack Nicholson films, and I'm interested. So uh, it's got it's got my curiosity. Yeah, uh, it's big on film talk. I must say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. everyone loves uh, that. I don't know. It's something people just have a weird fascination with uh, Jack Nicholson. Which uh, is, it's understandable yeah. to a certain extent. He's what an interesting character. Such an interesting guy. I think uh, I would love to see somebody do like an autobiography of, <laughs> of his life. I think that would be really fun to yeah, watch. Yeah, that would be cool. Uh, but, yeah, uh, what I think I'm going to watch is uh, call a movie called Fargo. Every, I've yet to see it. It's very highly uh, – very highly uh, touted. You know, it's got Frances McDormand. Some people say she's one of the best actresses of all time. It's got uh, uh, William H. Ma William H. Macy, Frank Gallagher. Yes. Uh, For all you shameless people. All, all you shameless people. It's also uh, got our main man, Steve Buscemi. Steve Buscemi, the guy from Spy Kids. Yeah. <laughs> the guy from Spy Kids is in there. But that's uh, streaming on Amazon. So I definitely want to check it out. It's got uh, one of the Cohen brothers that are uh, that direct it, and yeah, me, I'm, I'm very excited for let it. Let me just say something about Fargo. Oh. Okay, I have a hot opinion on Fargo. All right, send it. Mid. Really? That movie. Mid. Wow. Overrated. Okay. Well, you, I think it won a Best Picture, maybe. Yeah, I, I was getting ready to say it, it won an Oscar. So. That's a crime by the Academy. Dear Barbara, I mean, we're just getting hot here in the in the three and a half stars after show here. Yeah, I'm actually saying. I don't that know now. if it was just their midwestern accents that pissed me off the whole movie <laughs> or what, but I was like, I just sat through this movie for that. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see what you think. Mm -hmm. I don't understand how in the world it's as highly regarded as it is. Wow. But yeah, we'll we'll see what you think. We can discuss that next time. Yeah, I guess we definitely have to. Uh, but as far as like things to, uh, that we recommend, I think Grant and I both, uh, come to a consensus here. Just like, you know, enjoy some, some Christmas movies, you know, yeah. go, uh, go through a Christmas, uh, light show, you know, enjoy a little under the mistletoe by Justin Bieber <laughs> on, uh, keep that on repeat, you know, this just enjoy the Christmas spirit, happy holidays, whatever, whatever it is that you celebrate, Go out and just just enjoy the holiday spirit, you know. Yeah, nice little break uh, from reality and uh, look at some lights and just uh, enjoy the time. So as always, we will say, you know, guys, check us out. Uh, check out our letterboxed. Mine's Grubsy thirty three, and then the Evan D for Evan Dearborn. Uh, check out our TikTok uh, at Pulp Fiction One. We've uh, been trying to put out more content there. Uh, we're getting some good reactions there, so we're happy with that. Uh, but yeah, we're just trying to keep growing this channel, uh, this podcast and, uh, grow it with you guys. So as always, if you guys need anything, you give us a holler. We'll see you next time. See y'all. 
Stop.